Okay, we are in Sefer Zoniel, Perik Vav, Pasuk Yutes, Azayin Azal Malka Lehechale. So we saw at the beginning of Perik Vav, the Babylonian dynasty, from the Buchadnezar to Evil Merodach to Balshatzar, has ended. It ends overnight the entire dynasty with Balshetzar's assassination. A new dynasty takes over, that of Modai. The king is an individual called Daryavesh. He will be the only king of Modai because then Paras takes over from Modai. But he is made king. As we pointed out, he ascends the throne at age 62, which was a very advanced age. And so Rashi tells us that the reason they give us his age is that we know that he was born the same day Nebuchadnezzar exiled Jehoiachin. That it's 62 years and that it has a certain symmetry to it that that's going to be his downfall. So in any event, Jayavish takes over, and what they institute is a very clever system of administration in his empire. His empire consists of 120 provinces, and so what they set up is 120 provincial governors, or satraps they're called. Their job is to be the eyes and the ears of the king in each of the 120 districts and then bring back to the king what the people need or saying or desire. Superimposed on those 120 satraps are three viziers. They are like a smaller group that connect the satraps communicating with Jayavesh. Daniel is one of the three satraps. Daniel is a great court favorite of Daryavesh, so much so that Daryavesh puts him over and above not only the viziers, but the satraps. He heads that group of 120. Moreover, Daryavesh is very carefully considering him as Sheni Lamalchus, this right-hand man of Jaryavish. This, of course, as you would expect, antagonizes a lot of the nobles, both in the Vizier class and in the um, Satrap class. And what they do is try and find some defect with Daniel. First, they look for evidence of corruption. They look for evidence of graft. Then they look for evidence of his personal immorality. They find nothing. He has led a, a flawless life of a tzaddik. Then they hit upon this concept that if they could make his religion an issue and thereby show that he is disrespectful of the king in the observance of his religion, they've got something to hang their hat on to undermine him before the king. And so what they do is come up with this plan that they all approach the king as one group, the 120, the uh, three, the two satraps, because Daniel isn't there, maybe he's not told about the meeting, probably not, but also the um, mayors, the governors, the whole group comes to the king 
and in like a mass group, they say, King, we have decided on a course of action that will strengthen your bond over the people, that will strengthen your power. And that specifically is if you will make a proclamation, a proclamation that says that for 30 days, no one can approach their God asking for something or praying for something unless they approach it through the king. In other words, literally, they're banning Tzvilo, figuring that Doniel will never go for that. And so they tell him that if he signs the proclamation, you know that in, under the laws of Poros and Mardai, um, you cannot revoke it. It becomes law. And so they get the king to sign the thing and declare it as law, with the punishment being that anyone who violates it will be thrown into the pit of the lions. Now, Daniel, or rather the king, doesn't even think about what they're talking about other than that, doesn't put it together. And then what they do is Daniel goes, when he hears of the proclamation, he goes to his house, goes to the upper attic, throws open the windows facing Yerushalayim, prostrates himself before the Kaddish Baruch Hu, where he davens three times a day. It's not long before they find just what they're looking for, these nobles, and they come back to the king, and they say, you know, Doniel is flouting your edict. He's violating the terms of your agreement. What's more, you yourself have signed into law the provision that um, if he does violate your proclamation, he has to be thrown into the pit of the lion. So Daryavesh is absolutely confounded. He, he argues with them. This is never what I intended. This isn't what I meant. They don't listen. The law is the law. You sign the proclamation. And so against his will and very agreed by it, they take Daniel and they cast him into the pit of the lion. And what they do is the king affixes his signet ring to a huge boulder and the nobles affix their signet ring to the boulder. The idea being that neither trust the other. The idea is the king may change his mind and try to get Daniel out, so he sealed it with his signet ring. This way they have theirs. The king is worried that these guys, if Daniel is saved, they'll find another way to kill him, so he puts their signet ring on it. In any event, it's done. Daniel is lowered into the pit, and now we pick up on Pasuk Yutes, Adayin Azamalkol Hechalei. Daryavesh is devastated by this. Uh, Daniel is his top advisor. He didn't realize what he has done. And he goes to the palace and he goes, he goes to his room without eating. He doesn't allow them to bring food before them. And and he can't even sleep. He's driven by insomnia. 
The next morning, in the dark of the dawn, before dawn, Daryavesh <coughs> gets up and in the darkness goes to the pit of the lion and he draws near to the pit and he cries out. He cries out in a very sad, broken voice. He cries out to Daniel. Daniel, he says, Daniel, he yells out, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve continuously was he able to save you? Daniel speaks to the king, may the king live forever. My God sent a messenger. And what he did, the Sagar Pir Ayasa. He shut the lion's mouth. The lochi bluni called kebel di komohi, and it did not wound me because merit was found. I had schusim before him. Also, he adds, and O king, I have not, despite what the nobles are telling you, done any wrongs. I did nothing wrong to you. In other words, what Daniel is saying, and it's true, his trilos aren't asking for things. His trilos are hodah to the Kaddish Baruch Hu. And we will get back to that. Uh, but Daniel, Adayin Azal Malkal Hechala, so the king, we said, has come out of his palace. The king was delighted, and he commands, raise Daniel from the pit. They raise Daniel from the pit, and the kol lo and there is literally not a scratch upon him. Why? Because he trusted in his God. And now the king is going into action. Bring before me those who had slandered Daniel and those who had thrown him into the lion's pit. And what he does, you talk about collective punishment. He throws their wives and their children into the lion pit as well as them. And 
and they do not reach the bottom of the pit before the lions have totally consumed them. So now, now Dayavish does another proclamation. Says Dayavish to all the people of my realm, Kisavlachol Amima, my nations, the cities, the, the languages, the in Arjun Bachol Ara Shalmuchon Yishne, may your peace be abundant. Min Kadme Simtoam, I am issuing an order to be called Shilton Machus in every dominion of the kingdom. People will tremble, the heaven the even will tremble before the God of Jonia. He is the living God and will endure forever. And his kingdom will never be destroyed. And his dominion will last eternally. And in this thing, in this proclamation, who saves and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and the earth, and who has saved Daniel, Bishmaya from the clutches, saved Daniel from the clutches of the lion. Daniel meets total success now in Daryavish's reign. Moreover, the Malchus Koresh, Parsaya Parsa, in the reign of Koresh, who we're going to see is the king of Persia, is the next king and is the son-in-law of Daryavish. We're going to see Daniel assumes the same role. Now, one bit of unfinished business. Did Janiel put himself in danger that was unnecessary here? Did Janiel take upon himself to be a martyr? The Malbin speaks of this at great length. We know that we have the Klaal V'chaibahem. We're to live by these principles, not to die by them. There are the big three, as it were, that which Yarov if you're commanded to perform them, yes, you must give up your life. That Shvichas Domin, killing somebody, Gilwa um, Royos, Erba, adulterous relationship, and Avodazara. Um, Those three you must give up your life for. But the others, no, you do not have to do that. And so the Malmin is telling us that what did Daniel really do here? He didn't do anything. He didn't have to go to that length. Um, let me just read part of the Malbin to you. Yurtza Krivo Midaras Ha'om Malka, all right. Yurtza Hine Lefisha Ro Es Atzmam Hayosam Midalar Ha'om you do not have to give up your life like this. 
Nogea Lamelech This is Hoda he did. This is not Bakasha. This is Hoda. This is gratitude to the Kaddish Baruch Hu. And he did not have to do this. Um, continues the Malbin. There was nothing here that mandated he give up his life. So was he making himself a martyr? Was he at the point where he felt that, yes, he had to give up his life? And then you come to a very interesting machlokes that some say that there are things that if a person decides that they can be elevated into that category of Yarog Yavor, he can add them to it. A lot of Mephoshim say no. The Rambam says absolutely not. It's those three. But some say that the individual, if he chooses to, can take upon himself those Chumros and not, uh, or rather agree, to give up his life rather than to do them. So, uh, we end here with a machlokes. There's no question that Janiel, according to the rule, did not have to do that. I don't think, unfortunately, don't think he was trying to be a martyr, but there is a deeper ethic here that we sometimes go beyond the Yarog, the Yavor. So Daniel is elevated higher than he was ever before. He is going to be the second in Malchus, and as we've said before, we have seen the second in Malchus, Mishnah Lamelech, from Ingolus, from Yosef, to Daniel, uh, to Mordechai, to the Abarbanel, uh, and it doesn't end well. So we will see where this picks up tomorrow, a new king, a new reign, but the same Daniel as Mishnah Lamela. Akan, 8.45 a.m. tomorrow. You will not want to miss it.